Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. We have money. We have stress and anxiety. We don't have money. We have stress and anxiety. We have enough money but would like more, and yet we still have stress and anxiety. A recent study by Capital One found that money is at least somewhat stressful in 82% of Gen Zers and 81% of Millennials. Welcome to the episode where we're going to learn how to stress less about money. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. This episode is tackling a heavy subject, but A, it's really important to do, and B, fun because the guest is also a Shauna, which is very rare. So Shauna Doc Springer, she's a best-selling author of the book Warrior, keynote speaker, one of the world's leading experts on psychological trauma, military transition, suicide prevention, and close relationships. Oh, and she also happens to be a Harvard graduate. If you have been listening to the show for any period of time, you know that I am very open about having money, anxiety, and stress. And it might sound strange, being that I'm a money expert, but I think about and deal with money virtually all day long. 
And since it's naturally a very heavy subject, sometimes I just can't escape the stress and anxiety. And I know you aren't talking about money all day long, at least I hope you're not, but money does touch every aspect of your life. So basically, you can't really escape it no matter how hard you try. And if you've ever worried about money or stressed about money and not known how to deal with it, this episode is for you. Shauna will be sharing how to deal with all the stress, ways to form healthy habits, why a large percentage of women have what's called bag lady fears, and so much more. Here we go. Shauna, I am so excited to have you join us on the podcast today. Your name's going to be really easy for me to remember, so (laughs) thank you for being here. Well, thanks for uh, having me, Shauna. It is good to be here with you. We're talking about some potentially heavy topics today, and I really wanted to do this episode. I think we've all been through so much the last year and a half, and I have received myself so many different questions from listeners about how to deal with financial stress. We've got people who lost jobs, people who decided to quit their job, maybe to try something new, Uh, you know, so many different variations of financial stress over the last year and a half. And I'm I'm certainly not an expert on how to deal with the stress aspect of it, it, Mm -hmm. which is why I think it's really important to have you here. But just starting off, what are some ways we can deal with financial stress, like on a day-to-day basis? Are there things we can do? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The first thing I think is always to understand the stress. So to take it out of the realm of something that's overwhelming and really kind of analyze where is this coming from. Mm. One of the biggest, I think, myths that we have is that people who have resources are invulnerable to financial stress when their you know fortune takes a sudden turn. And what you probably know just as well is that many people in America at different levels of, of the um, economic spectrum are actually living without being able to save. Um, right. And so even if you appear to have a lot of resources, to the degree that you're stretched so thin that you have no buffer, you're vulnerable. And so when you become financially strained, there's a number of things that can be affected. Um, And hopefully we'll get into some of those things. But I think to answer your question, the first one is to ask yourself, um, what is this threat about? You know, am I feeling in this sort of um, wave of stress? Am I stressed out because I'm connecting money to my success as a human? Am I worried that, you know, if I don't pay my bills, I'm going to be out of my house, you know, within a month. Generally, it doesn't work that way. There's there's programs and supports that most people have never even heard of until they're in a situation that they can avail themselves of, but, you know, they, they may not know about them. So, you know, where does the stress kind of take uh, shape? And then you can form a plan of attack. I love what you're what you're talking about because it's the idea of recognizing sort of the foundation of, of where this anxiety or stress is coming from. Mm-hmm. What gets in the way of most of us like actually taking that step to do it? Because I feel like most of us just get so wrapped. I mean, I'm guilty of this myself. Yeah. It's so wrapped up in the anxiety and stress and fear and whatever it might be, and it gets bigger and bigger in your head. But yeah how come we don't just take that moment and like start to figure out, okay, where is this actually coming from? And is it legitimate or not? Yeah, well, that does happen. You know, it does happen to all of us. So, you know, the the brain, when it gets activated into a state of threat, that is a more primitive part of the brain. So that's the default mode when you feel threatened. And that part of your brain, you know, kind of the back area of your brain uh, is different from the front frontal lobes, the executive functioning center. Now, the executive functioning center, just really quick. Um, I don't know why they named it executive functioning center, but I always used to teach that it's because an executive in a company should be uh, the person who thinks strategically, mm. should you know see five steps ahead, should be planning and thinking about options for responding. But that's not where the brain kind of tends to start. Uh, So really recognizing that we're looping 
on that primitive sense of threat, the, the, you know, catastrophe that's about to befall us, you know, the being um, suddenly homeless, all of these catastrophic thoughts are kind of the default mode, right? When we feel threatened. So I think it's the hard thing to take a step back and get analytical, but it's critical to get analytical because unless we have a clear insight into the problem and and how we can move through it, we're going to be ambushed by waves of panic and we're not going to be functioning in a way that moves us forward very effectively. So are there ways to retrain your brain to to function more effectively, I guess, or to work more in like a symbiotic way versus just that complete freak out moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, some of it is uh, recognizing when you're in that state of primal panic. Um, And I used to, in the early days, give my patients uh, those crude heart rate monitor watches (laughs) This would be like for like if you had conflict with your spouse, for example, but it could be easily applied to this too. So in the early days, they would take their baseline. And then if their heart rate was really elevated, they would know, hey, I'm not in my frontal, you know, executive functioning area right now. I'm not going to be making my best, smartest, most strategic decisions from this part of my brain when I'm so hyper aroused. And they would do all kinds of things to calm themselves down, you know, whether it's even just time, space, uh, listening to music, a distraction, uh, progressive muscle relaxation, EMDR, you know, strategies with me. Um, But I think for some people, Shauna, it's really, we are under so much chronic threat with COVID, the recent surge of mass shootings, that we um, are actually seeing biological changes in our brains. And so one of the things that I'm really involved in right now is helping move the paradigm towards the understanding that trauma at a certain point is a biological injury. And there are biological interventions like Steli Ganglion Block is is an intervention that my organization is scaling up to make available um, that can really target that state that I call chronic threat response. Uh, It's not a diagnosis. It's just a commonly observed state of mind that people, I think, across America and the globe are finding themselves in. Um, should I share some of the kind of common signs of that? Or Yeah, please. So the common signs of chronic threat response, and this would apply for anybody who's kind of had a sudden change in their job, their identity, their fortunes, and they're worried and they're vulnerable, would be um, difficulty sleeping, so chronically disrupted sleep or nightmares. Um, that hypervigilance for threat, you know, that's part of COVID and, and, and other things right now too. Uh, the uh, the difficulties concentrating. So our cognitive abilities are impacted when we're in this hyper arousal state. That's why we're not making good decisions when we're in a state of primitive panic. There's also the surges of anxiety or panic attacks um, and then surges of rage or irritability that kind of seem to come from nowhere without a cause kind of a general cause. Um, And then also the um, startle response. If somebody walks up behind you and you sort of jump out of your skin, Mm. those are the six hyperarousal clusters uh, that we, six hyperarousal symptoms that we treat uh, with the stellate ganglion block. Wow. That's just, it's just fascinating. I was, I was going to ask you, I mean, maybe this sort of piggybacks on that. What are some of maybe like the common ways that you see money issues, fears, traumas, anxieties show up in people that they might not even recognize? Or is is it all of those things or, or anything different added to that list? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely would add to that. So there's the psychological component and there's the biological component. So we've just talked about the biological component of chronic threat response when you're always in a state of fight or flight. Um, but there is also the psychological part of this. And so the other ways it can show up, you know, is really when there's a lot of shame in your life. Mm. Um, you know, frankly, we have a narrative about suicide that is not, uh, always true for many people. So we think that, you know, depression and mental health problems are the things that lead people to, um, want to end their lives. 
And in my observation, at least with my patients, both civilian and military, shame is the overlooked variable that is directly contributing to so many of the times of mental crisis for my patients. So, you know, these are not people with mental health diagnoses, no diagnosis of depression, uh, often no diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder, but they will have a sudden life change that causes them to feel intense shame um, and to feel that they have lost their sense of identity and that they feel like a um, failure as a human. And when this happens, it's a very, very dangerous mindset because it directly contributes for many of the people I've served to suicidal thinking. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can think about shame in terms of money in so many different ways. I've heard so many different stories from people. I have my own versions of that. Mm -hmm. I I was divorced uh, about 10 years ago and and literally had to give up everything I owned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of, of shame in there. And it took me many years to figure that out. But I talk on this show a lot. We don't we don't talk about money really openly. It's just not a subject we we learn about here, at least in the U.S. very much. We don't talk about it usually in our families. We don't like to talk about it with our partners. And so, I'm curious, just inherently in in the non talking about it. Obviously, we're doing it on the show, but in the just day to day not talking about money, does that itself like create an element of of shame or or kind of keep you in those spaces? Yeah, it really does. So shame thrives in secrecy. And so if you, you know, have safe people in your life that you can talk to about, you know, where you may be stuck or where you may be impacted in lots of ways, including financially, um, that can diffuse the shame. But as you said, many of us just don't want to talk about it. It's like as private as, you know, um, uh, what would be another thing? Like, I don't know, like uh, <laughs> trying to think of something appropriate. Uh, for, okay. Well, let me, let me throw this one out. I work with a lot of warfighters and asking them questions about firearms ownership feels really intrusive. And so we don't talk about, you know, money, politics, religion, uh, shouldn't maybe talk quite so openly in the way we do about firearms, but it is uh, definitely going to grow in secrecy. Um, and you can't get the help you need. So like a lot of times I'll see with patients, they will get sidelined into a really dangerous spiral because of one issue. So let's say that somebody gets a really expensive speeding ticket and they don't have the resources to pay it off. And then they start going into an avoidance mode and that grows in secrecy. And with that comes a commensurate amount of shame that grows in secrecy. And now they're risking, you know, driving around without a valid license. And so I've had many people, you know, where I I kind of think about those people that were put in prison because of their debts. And then once they were put in prison, there's no way they could pay it off. Right. A modern variant of that happens with many people and the consequences accrue and the shame accrues right along in step with that. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And what do you think about the society and culture we live in where with social media and the news cycle and just information at our hands all the time, it it really can start feeling <laughs> overwhelmed quite quite easily. Does does shame pop up in those places? Like especially I'm thinking about social media where maybe Maybe you are in some financial issue or feeling shame about something and then you see someone and their life looks glamorous and amazing and you start having that that comparison moment. Right. Yeah. No, if you wanted to create a society more keyed to feelings of shame, you couldn't do a better job than to create the kind of social media systems we have. Um, and it, it's really interesting because people create lives that are curated on their social media platforms and they even create avatars, you know, that are altered. And so I think about, you know, what, what is the consequence of putting out to the world something that's disconnected from who you really are? And then what is the consequence to yourself in your identity when you have to change your avatar or speak in ways that speak only of the, the victories and the good things? 
um, and never have real conversations about stuff that's hard and stuff that matters. Um, and that's what social media tends to really reward and um, encourage. So I think absolutely social media, I have a love-hate relationship with it because, <laughs> you know, it's it's critical for getting, you know, insights out and scaling, you know, good insights. But it's also, um, it, it can be um, a tyrannical <laughs> boss and something that can really create a lot of the shame that leads to mental health crises. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work, and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle, full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. 
To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash today. Ramp.com slash today. R-A-M-P.com slash today. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's Tuesday. That means we have another Ask Shauna. This one comes from Keith. Keith says, hi, Shauna. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I thought I'd see what your thoughts are on this. I was trying to discuss money with a friend of mine in Canada recently, and the next thing I knew, we started arguing, or at least it seemed that way, about if money was evil or not. I kept insisting it wasn't, and my friend kept furiously insisting that it was. That money is dirty, and all of this other nonsense, at least I certainly think that's what it is, but I'm curious to find out what you think about this. I suspect myself that he may have an unexamined subconscious money story going on. Still, this friend isn't the first one that is even shouted quite loudly to that money is dirty and such. I've even had at least one neighbor I know do the same with me. And all I asked him was, what do you believe about money? People can sure be strange about how they react about money. Your thoughts are appreciated and thanks for creating this podcast. Keep it going. Keith, this was a fantastic uh, question to read because I think what you're talking about is so spot on. Money is a taboo subject. And if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously are working on breaking down some of those taboos, working on breaking down your own walls and barriers and beliefs and all of those things. But so many people do not want to join in on that movement, right? And money has these these huge walls and barriers. This is the problem, though. If we can't have discussions about money, then we keep those walls up. And that's not healthy. It's really how we are where we are with money. It's it's why I believe uh, money is one of those supercharged subjects, right? One that we don't talk about at the dinner table. We don't talk about with friends. We don't even want to talk about it in relationships. And I can even go so far to say we don't even want to have the conversation with ourselves, right? How many times, and I am the first one to raise my hand, how many times have you known you were supposed to do something with your money or checking in on your money, whatever it may be, and you just said, forget it. If I don't admit it to myself, then it's like it just didn't happen. So I think that what you're dealing with is this the scenario that money is very taboo and that everyone has very strong feelings. And it's hard to look at your subconscious or unconscious money stories. That really requires real work and it's not a comfortable process. It's so much easier to just stick with, I think, what you believe or what you believe to be true. And I'm not making any judgments on your friend or anybody at all, because I know this process is hard, and it took me years and years to be able to go through this process myself. It took years of self-reflection, of really digging down and thinking about, what do I think about money? What do I believe? What do I want to show up in my life? Not what anybody else, my family members, any of my friends, anybody I'm with, and then also going, it's okay however I'm feeling. However I feel about money is it's okay. It's my emotion. Uh, But also not leaning into money having charged emotions, right? 
Because as I said on the last episode, money is just, it's a piece of paper. In essence, we're the ones that attach feelings to it. So we have a choice of those feelings that we can attach, which means we can change negative feelings into positive feelings. It may seem really hard to do, but it is totally doable. So question, have you asked your friend maybe a follow-up question? I don't know, why do you feel that money is dirty? Like get him to share more, even if maybe he's a little bit more hostile, maybe he needs to let some stress out or hasn't really had anyone to talk to about this. But I think my message really is to keep doing you, Keith. This is a really brave move to venture into these conversations, but I really want to encourage you just to keep being a light to people and a safe space where others can share with you. And really that goes for you, anyone listening, like be that lightning rod, be the place that people can come and start having these conversations, share with them what you're learning on the podcast or what you're just picking up through your own process around money. Because the more we can have these conversations, the more we can proactively break down these walls and barriers. And then we can try to turn that big tidal wave from money being taboo into money that it's an okay, it's an okay conversation for us to talk about and that money is okay for us to have. It's not this terrible thing that means we're greedy and horrible people, right? So Keith, I want to encourage you and anyone else who's having those conversations, just keep it going. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. 
That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. One of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the show was that therapy about 10, 12 years ago really became a cornerstone in my life. And I'm I'm remarried. My husband and I uh, both had been to therapy for many years. In fact, our therapist stood up as our our people in our wedding. Wow! (laughs) So it was like Tiffany and Terry. We just we just love it. That those were the only people that stood next to us because we sort of said like these were the people that helped us get here. Mm. And without these people, we wouldn't be able to get here. But I know that for so many people. The idea of reaching out for help or, or mm-hmm. counseling, whatever that might be, with money fears or anxiety or anything they're dealing with in mm-hmm. life can feel mm-hmm. really overwhelming. So if somebody's listening and maybe they're really resonating and they they feel like they need to get help, talk me a little bit through yeah. like how do you find the right person for you? And then how do you know how to to ask for that help or figure out even what you're struggling with? Yeah. Okay. So Tiffany and Terry in that example to you would be sort of your pit crew or your core unit of support in my way of kind of understanding the world. And so I think one of the biggest things that people can do is identify who those people are that you can take your emotional armor off with. So you start with peers and friends and loved ones. And you think about uh, if you did something that was really shame inducing, who are those people, if you had to tell a couple people in your life that you could go to and talk to without any fear that their opinion of you would change? Um, and those are the people in your life that are emotionally safe for you. And so the first thing is, you know, instead of necessarily thinking, you know, it's got to always be go, you know, go to a doctor and get care. The really important piece that a lot of us miss is form that tribe of people you can take your armor off with, that you can speak openly with about the things that will otherwise eat you alive and have those relationships of emotional safety and sharing. Mm -hmm. Once you have that and you know what that feels like, it becomes really easy to recognize it in healing professionals. Um, So you'd be looking for, you know, a therapist or a mental health provider that can uh, listen to whatever you need to share without inducing feelings of shame. And so you would take a small risk in any relationship, not just with a healer, take a small risk and see how the person handles it. And if they handle it and they respond in an emotionally safe way, non-judgmentally, supportively, in a way that communicates respect and um, upholds your dignity, no matter what the struggle is, then take another risk. And so we, we build that trust Um, by taking these small incremental risks and then seeing how others handle them. And we need to be doing this with the the docs that heal us to make sure we have the right docs that are going to get us through. But we also need to build this out in our social lives more fully and not just kind of rely on professional help 
when we get stuck. I like that. I like finding your your tribe of people that you can talk to. And I'd gotten a couple questions, particularly this last year from listeners. And so this, I think this fits right in with with tribe is we often want, I mean, we do want obviously our our partner to be in that tribe, someone who especially when it comes to money, we can talk about things from a supportive and non-judgmental way. And I've I've had a lot of questions come in about how can I form a foundation to talk to my partner about about money and and deal maybe when there's money arguments or money fights come up and uh, it just feels like maybe you you don't want to share as much, even though you should share everything. But you know, that shame component really comes up. So, any advice for for couples who are trying to navigate these waters? Definitely, yeah, it's a great question. So, money problems and financial strain is a major problem in many marriages. You know, it's one of the most common problems. Um, I studied in in graduate school about 200 newlywed couples, and we would bring them into a lab and we'd sit them down and we'd say, now, what really bothers you about your partner? Okay, now talk about that. Um, And we would watch how they navigated the conflicts. And the financial uh, strain that they had was a continual issue that came up. So first, you know, people who are experiencing that um, are in very good company. That's a very common challenge. In many cases... Uh, the problem can come down to um, a few things. It's a, often a difference in values. So if people have different values about saving or spending money or what the purpose of money is or you know whether money is identity or gives you control or is used to control you know other people, uh, those are things that you really want to figure out early. So in a perfect world, um, I always encourage couples to kick the anthills before you commit in marriage. You don't <laughs> want to, you know, you, you want to like set off a few bombs um, before you get legally bound to someone. So I like you, that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you, uh, my husband and I did that by going to South America together and um, doing a project that was really challenging, that stressed us both because it was just so physically uncomfortable um, to really get to know each other. Because in our culture, for some reason, we have this kind of perpetual honeymoon courtship. And then we really don't know who we're with and what the differences in our core values are. So that's kind of a whole other line of of work that I do around relationships. But to, to give your listeners something, I would say to have those conversations up front about how money was handled in your family of origin. How did that feel for you? What are the emotional meanings of how money is saved, spent, used, delegated? Um, In your relationship, how will you handle the money? Is it best to to share all of your money or does a three-pot system give you a little bit more comfort so that you can, you know, as long as you're paying your shared bills out of the same account and making that one, you know, sufficiently funded to, to cover that, it's really not something that you have to have ongoing conversations about unless you get into something that jeopardizes uh, the financial status of, of the the whole relationship. Um, And then I think the other thing is in addition to kicking the anthills before you get committed, I think you create a culture in your relationship of getting comfortable talking about the uncomfortable things, whether it's, you know, money or, um, you know, socializing patterns or, um, you know, just things that, that don't work for each of you with the other and having those conflicts, being able to navigate them in ways that are respectful to each other allows you the space to really talk about the stuff like money that is really hard for a lot of people to talk about. That's such good advice. I, I love the idea of kicking the anthills and dropping some bombs before you before you get married and seeing like, yeah. hey, how did this how did this work out? Are we are we still okay? Do we still like each other? Uh-huh. Yep. yep. I liked it a lot. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. I know you you work with a lot of people on trauma recovery and post-traumatic growth and uh, you've written two books, uh, Warrior, and co-authored a book, Beyond the Military. Tell me a little bit about about your career and, and the type of work that you do, like on a day to day basis, and what what gets you excited about you know helping people in this way. 
Yeah, thanks for that. So my first book, which is out of print, and I'm so glad, (laughs) (laughs) is called uh, Marriage for Equals. And there's a lot of good stuff in there, but I need to rewrite it. Um, It was based on a survey I did of over 1,200 women, mostly Harvard College graduates. And interestingly, relevant to our conversation, they were very successful, very well paid, And a huge um, percent of them had a variant of what's called the imposter syndrome, which means that they had this sense of if people really knew what my capacities were, I wouldn't be able to keep this job um, or, you know, someday I'm going to lose everything and be homeless. So these insecurities uh, of these very successful women were were part of that survey and it was part of what I wrote about. So I'm going to get back to that uh, two books from now and rewrite it. Because at the time, you know, I'd been sort of institutionalized many years in graduate school, and I wrote it like it was a bunch of kind of academic essays, really not in the voice that I've found since then. Um, And I'd love to talk to you about Warrior, particularly because um, I'm coming out with a second edition right now. I launched it in the middle of the pandemic when everybody was understandably focused on that. And then I've done 120 podcasts, articles, interviews uh, since then to help bridge the insights from my book, which is about how we navigate trauma by looking at our warfighters and the extreme traumas that they can overcome, applying those universal principles to all of us um, in the past year. So I'm about to come out with the second edition of Warrior. It's coming out on April 27th. And then the paperback is coming out on uh, May 11th. And it has 100 extra pages. So it's about 400 pages now wow. with content to really help us navigate what has been an unending year of trauma. Are there any like little ahas or little gems you can kind of tease us from the book? Sure, of course. Um, so you know, relevant to our conversation, I think really um, understanding the roots of a problem is the first thing. And so the first few chapters in the book really talk about how um, when you need to understand something, you need to find your tribe because your tribe will give you sources of information, including trusted docs that are healers that you wouldn't have otherwise. It's really hard to get a um, perspective on problems when you're in a state of primal threat response. So those conversations that you have with the people that have your back, that think highly of you, that don't judge you for, you know, a mistake or for struggling with something, those people are critical assets in navigating stress and trauma. And the the kind of big takeaway from all of it, because it kind of starts with how we build trust. There's a relationship focused couple of chapters about how we navigate conflict and build trust in relationships. And then it kind of builds to a different understanding of suicide prevention around some of this shame. So one of the big takeaways was that shame, uh, not mental health diagnoses, was actually often more related to suicidal crisis for many of my patients. And the antidote to that is safe, genuine connection with others. So if I had sort of one takeaway, and I, I I describe this in detail in the book, but it would be, you know, when we connect, we survive. Hmm. So the challenge is, you know, reaching out in that state of shame and really finding those people that are safe to us and that have our back. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, wow. It just, it, it really hits home for me and I want to go back and, and talk I'm super curious about that research you did with all of those women and the bag lady fears. Yeah. Uh, Where does it, where does it come from? Like where is the, maybe the root of that? And, and because I can definitely relate to that. Like how can we separate like the, the real fears versus the ones that just kind of like exist in our heads? Yeah. Now here I go into the range of speculation a bit. Um, (laughs) but I'm happy to take that foray as long as I'm clear about what I'm doing here. I think that one of the traumas that's really hard to pin down for groups of people, people of color for women is when there's a thousand little cuts every day that nobody else sees. And I know as a woman in um, different career 
situations where I've been surrounded by males that have been socialized differently, that have been supported differently, that have been told different things about their capabilities or led to believe that they should expect a certain salary or, um, you know, certain benefits. Um, It's repeatedly been a theme that sometimes um, it's hard as a woman, you know, to really get that same respect or that situation. And so I think it's, you know, people talk about the glass ceiling as being invisible, but it, it, it comes from a thousand little cuts that nobody sees. And the collective impact of that can be developing a sense of core insecurity about your place in a company, in a job, in a situation, in a profession, in your, you know, sense of expertise. Um, you know, and I'll tell you, Shauna, if I don't say in certain circumstances, I'm Dr. Shauna Springer. I get a lot of questions about, you know, are you a nurse? Are you a social worker? Those are the first questions I get. People don't go to me and and say, unless they know me already, oh, um, did you get your doctorate? Are you, you know, a respected expert in the field? That's not their default position. So that's, you know, one example of many little things that I think can grow to a sense of um, fear around financial security, position, ability to find success and maintain success in life. So it was just such a normal fear for so many um, people that I I would, again, want people to know that if you have that fear, you're in good company and you can overcome it by understanding it and defusing it. But you can't do that unless you really take a hard look at it. Yeah, I can, I can still relate to, to your story. I mean, so many times, as a financial expert, people would look at me and think I was the secretary or assistant yep. or <laughs> something yep. like that. And it's it's like a you're you're totally infuriated in the moment, and then you also realize like what's the purpose of trying to speak my way out of this? It's you know it's just I think it's crazy. I mean that, but that really I mean I've been called honey sweetie. Yep. You know, everything so many times that, you know, I'm sure I send like the evil eye (laughs) out of people. But you're right. That stuff like it adds up. And even if we say no big deal, it's no big deal. It does sit in us somewhere. And that could then obviously bring on shame in in other situations or just um, fuel a fire that we didn't really even know existed. Yeah, because our our identity is formed in interactions with others in part. Um, And we don't want to, you know, allow others to judge our worth because self-worth is really by definition what we think we're worthy of. But if we don't really become aware of how we're being influenced, whether through social media or the many times that, you know, we're called sweetie or honey or something like that, I really do try to respectfully check that behavior when it comes up. And um, it's, it's exhausting, you know, it's exhausting. And I think like so many things, you know, I had a conversation the other day with my sister, and we were talking about, I'll come back in a second to make this relevant. we were talking about a couple of times in our lives, and we've had to run for our lives, for fear of being attacked or raped. And the fact that she had that experience, that I've had that experience myself a couple of times that we never talked about it with each other, and she's somebody I love and deeply trust, was super interesting to me when I thought about that. And then I thought about how many women in my network, they don't identify as rape victims, they've never been sexually assaulted, but they've been in that state of primal threat. And even having had that experience, you know, how many people that are not women have had that experience? Um... These kinds of things that we experience um, are not always perceived by other people, you know, around us. Yeah. And to, like, please, please let me say that that men also have real uh, painful experiences and traumatic experiences that that women can't understand as well. Um, but the shape of this kind of insecurity in the females that I studied was really interesting. And when I trace that river upstream, again, speculatively, I think it relates to a thousand cuts that a lot of times are not perceived by many people. Mm. Wow. Well, Shauna, our 
I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. I, I definitely know I need to have you back on the show <laughs> because I'm, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure it. listeners are gonna gonna you know send in a plethora of questions, but I really want to leave everyone listening who might be who might be struggling with whether it's financial stress or just life stress right now, fears, something tangible that they can they can remember today. So what do you want us to to walk away remembering right now or or to have front of mind if we're feeling fearful, anxious, stressed, any of those words? Is there is there anything we can focus on or do today that might help with that situation? Yeah, it's going to get better, first of all. Um, and I want to recognize that that stress comes from a place that's logical, that we've been in a state of chronic threat response with an invisible virus, a surge of mass violence. So it's understandable. Um, and within that, you know, there are things under our control and things that are not under our control. So a very simple exercise you can do is take out a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle. On the right side, list all the things you can't control. On the left side, write all the things that are under your control or your influence. And what this does is it can move you out of that primitive brain state of just being in a sense of threat to the more executive functioning center of your brain, which is the part of brain our brains that think about options for responding. If you can push your mind to options for responding, then not only will this directly impact your sense of helplessness and decrease it, but you will also see uh, ways to move forward, pathways to, to feel less helpless, pathways to, um, to, to feel connected to hope again and the life that's going to come you know, for all of us. And the other thing I would say, just kind of to close out this, and I'm happy to come back. It was fun. You had good questions, <laughs> is um, that I really think we're in for an amazing year to come because we've had such social deprivation that if we think about all the birthday parties, Thanksgivings, you know, days at, at the pool or whatever it is, we're about to have some incredible reunions, one after the other, reuniting with loved ones that we've been apart from. And so, you know, we're going to get rewarded for, um, any kind of uh, social withdrawal that we've had to endure in a major way in the year to come. So I can't wait for that to happen. Things are going to get better. Um, people are getting vaccinated and we're all moving together, I think, in the right direction now. I like that. The best is yet to come. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shauna, tell us where we can go to uh, grab a copy of your book, Warrior, and also connect with you if we really somebody listening really resonated and, and wants to reach out to you. Thank you. Let me give you a couple of places. Um, the first is uh, StellaCenter.com. Is, uh, if people are interested in learning about the biological treatment, Stella Ganglion Block, for biological symptoms, StellaCenter.com is the best place to find out more about that. And then my website is www.docshaunaspringer. So D-O-C-S-H-A-U-N-A-S-P-R-I-N-G-E-R.com. If you could add those to the show notes, that would be awesome. Um, I have a uh, pre-order special on my book where it's 50% off right now through May 11th for the paperback. So um, if folks are able to grab a copy, whether it's during that time or after, I would really greatly appreciate the support and the word in getting that, that work out there. I got so much out of this episode. How about you? Just talking about stressing less has really made me stress less. It honestly has ever since this episode recording, talking with Shauna. And, and this is a big episode with so much to unpack. So I really suggest a second listen. I know that I got a lot out of listening the second time and actually keep coming back to this episode because I keep thinking, what did she say about that? How do I do that? So it definitely stayed with me. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share this with friends and family members, anybody who you think needs to learn how to stress less about money. As always, the links to the episode sponsors and Shauna are right in our show notes. So head over there and you'll find everything you need. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go. 
We want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Hi, this is Elton John here. Together with the Alliance for Lifetime Income, I'm spreading the word about the importance of protected income, which is money you're guaranteed to get. Protected income from an annuity helps ensure you have all your bases covered so you can have the financial freedom to tick off your bucket list. Meet with your financial advisor to ask if you have protected income and get their help making a plan that fits your unique financial goals. Go to protectedincome.org today.